Welcome to St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Saratoga Springs, New York, where we are gathered by God to share the love of Jesus. Today, we take a closer look at the wedding at Cana. Here is this week's message from Pastor Adam Wiegand. Grace, mercy, and peace to each of you from God, our Heavenly Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Joyful One. Amen. Do any of you remember Sanka, or as we have come to call it in our house, Stinka? I have to admit, I have become a coffee snob. Dark roast, grind it myself, pour over. I love a good cup of coffee. But my first cup of coffee was Sanka. It was horrible, but I didn't know it. I was just having coffee. I also should say that my first cup of coffee had almost as much milk as it did coffee and four or five tablespoons of sugar uh, just to sweeten it up as a kid. Not anymore. But I've come to know over time what a good cup of coffee is like and what a bad cup of coffee is like. Maybe you have some area of expertise and preference in your life that you could tell the difference between a good one and a bad one. And there's something like this going on at Cana, the wedding feast in that place. I I have been to a lot of weddings, a lot of weddings. I have presided over a lot of weddings. But there's a couple things that are always the same. Doesn't matter who you are or where it is. First, I can almost guarantee that every couple is going to say, you know that song that goes, yes, that's Paco Bell's Canon in D. Yeah, we want that. (laughs) Almost everyone. Also, the reading that says, Pastor, you know the one that says, love is patient, love is cut. Yes, yeah, I know. 1 Corinthians 13, I've done that one a lot of times as well. I've heard so many best man speeches and so many bridesmaid speeches and bad toasts. I have heard it all. I've heard it all. Those weddings start on a, usually on a Saturday, and they end most of the time on a Saturday. It's just a half-day affair. Not so in ancient Israel. When they got together for a wedding party, man, they did it right. <laughs> Eight days long. The father of the groom paid for everything, By the end of this eight-day feast, the groom's father should be pretty much declaring bankruptcy uh, because it was quite the thing. The whole town came. If you weren't invited to the wedding feast, it probably meant that you were unclean or an outcast in some way. Everybody came. It was a community affair because it was a community hope that was being built. These days, weddings are kind of between a couple of families. They can even get just a down between a couple of people. But in those days, this was the survival of your village because you had a husband and a wife and they were going to have children and the family name was going to be passed down and the community would have people to support it and everything was hinged on this marriage. And it was a big, big deal. So the wine flowed freely at these things. And not just because the ancient Israelites were luscious. It's because that's what they drank. That was it. And so we hear a little bit of the inner mechanics of the wedding industry 
in first century Galilee. So here we have a situation where on day three out of eight, the wine is done. There's no more left. This is not just a bad thing for the host that might feel embarrassed. This is actually an omen. If the wine runs out, the couple is doomed. And so when Mary speaks up and says, Jesus, they have no wine. She wasn't complaining. She was begging him for help. You've got to do something about this. And she knew that he could. And so the wine is a whole lot bigger than having something to drink or restoring joy. Jesus is saving the future for this little town called Cana and Galilee. He's sparing people not just from embarrassment, but from feeling like they were doomed. And isn't that what Jesus came into the world to do? But the inner mechanics of this wedding go on to say, from the master of the feast, after Jesus had taken the water and turned it into wine, however he did it, I don't know, he's God, he can do it however he wants, the water's his, the wine is his, it's all his. So he brings it to the master of the feast, but the master of the feast tastes this and he goes, this isn't Sanka. That's what he was expecting. Because the master of the feast would have known that the wine was run out. He would have been keenly aware that there was going to be a problem. But now the servants obediently brought over to this man the best wine he'd ever tasted. And so he said, you know, usually they bring over the bridegroom. Usually you serve the good stuff first so that people will be impressed with you. They'll get a little bit drunk. Their taste buds will go away. And then you can bring out the Senka if you'd like. But you, you've saved the best until now. Christians, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I am here to tell you, as this sermon is getting towards its end point already, that the best is yet to come. The best in our life with Christ is yet to come. We think we know what it's like to live with Christ. We think we know the blessings of God's kingdom already. We think we have an idea of what it's going to be when we get to be in his presence, but we don't have any idea. We are drinking Sanka here, and we've gotten used to it. Because this world, as good as it gets, is still tainted. It's still broken. It's still full of sadness. We still have divisions. We still get sick and die. We still have all of the troubles that come from being a sinful place. We have been drinking spiritual Senka from the beginning. It's coffee. It's real. It's made from beans, I think. But what God has done is he said, you have no idea. No eye has seen. No ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. And it's all because of what Christ was willing to drink for us. Not Senka. He drank the cup of God's wrath for us. He drank 
hostage situations in synagogues. He drank pandemics. He drank divorces. He drank children and parent separation. He drank job losses. He drank divisions and strife. He drank your disobedience. He drank your death. He drank it all down. And what he offers you back is the royal wine of heaven. And here, we just have a foretaste of the feast that's to come. Because when we come to the table of the Lord, as we will in just a little bit, we have a sip and a nibble of hope. We have a sip and nibble of the truth that God is actively at work to right that which is wrong. We take a foretaste of the fact that God has removed our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. We take a sip and a nibble of the fact that we are one in Christ Jesus and that we are his body and that we're not divided. We take a little sip and a nibble of the promise that he says that all of these things are going to be in the past. There will be no shame. There will be no sadness. There will be no sickness. There will be no pain. There will be no death. There will be no devil. There will only be Christ and his love, the bridegroom pledging himself in love to his bride, the church. That's us. And he's saying, the best is yet to come. You ain't seen nothing yet, people of God, but you will. You will. And so we here now live as if the reality of tomorrow is already here today. We can hear it in our ears. We can see it with our eyes. We know that it's coming. We know that in the face of all that goes wrong in this world, our God is already at work making it right. He know, we know that what is evil in our lives, God is working through Christ to make it good. Bringing everything through the death of his cross and the wrath of God against it to give us the blessing of God, the forgiveness and the life that he has always wanted to give to all his people. So if you, my friends, are ready to receive the blessings of Jesus, if you are longing to have the good that he wants for you, if you look around the world and see the sadness and the sickness and the division and the death and you're tired of it, I invite you to raise a glass. I invite you to receive the blessing of God and to know that here in this little body and blood that we receive, we receive God and we receive his work for us. So if you are coming to the altar in sadness saying, Lord God, I have no wine. I'm running out. I'm running dry. Here, he's ready to fill your cup. The best is yet to come. We're going to have a sip of it today. But it's better still when our Lord returns. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise. Now may the peace of God that passes all of our human understanding bring you to rejoice in faith in the work that God is doing for you through Christ Jesus, the bridegroom. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church, please visit spalutheran.org. God's blessings to you. Go in peace and serve the Lord.